1: to wrestling omakase it is episode number 141 and this week i am very pleased to be joined by a debuting guest hello to mr jojo remy hi jojo
0: hello how are you
1: good how are you doing
0: i'm doing well i'm uh, excited to talk about some wrestling uh you know i think uh wrestling is kind of at a there's a a, a uh there's an undersupply right now of wrestling. So I'm not one who usually goes back and watches old wrestling, but this is the perfect time to do it. So uh, I'm excited to talk about it.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I get like when it comes to doing old wrestling, it's like I'll get in a mood where I want to watch specific things, but it's pretty rare for me too. It's only like a few times a year. Whereas obviously doing this project has been like, you know, kind of fun. We're just diving into, uh, you know, a lot of different old matches and seeing you know getting picks from other people and all that um, I mean there is the empty arena stuff happening especially I, I can't believe how many shows are happening the next week I don't know if you saw but yeah. like which is really irresponsible and dangerous and, uh, and I'm not thrilled honestly I mean it, I get it to a degree because these, are, if you look at the promotions doing it I'm sure they probably need whatever samurai is paying them for this content but like it's just it is really like i i just hope nobody gets the virus you know it is very yeah scary. i think
0: i think these shows are you know gonna keep some of these promotions afloat for a little while um and yeah i mean it's empty arena um empty arena wrestling is you know as we've now learned after seeing so much of it it's very different right so uh I think it's a little bit understated how important the crowd is in a wrestling match. Um, but there's been a, a, a few gems so far, you know, particularly Noah has had a, a few really good empty arena matches that I've seen. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to pull up the schedule. I think it's like all Japan 2 a W zero one big Japan. I think those are the promotions running on Samurai, right? Something like that.
0: Yeah, that sounds right. I think All Japan has two. I mean, personally, I'll probably only be watching the two All Japan shows.
1: Yeah. Uh, Let me see if I can find it, because I finally remembered what his Twitter account was on. But yeah, there's like two All Japan shows. Um, There is a 2AW show, like you said. But, uh, you know, it's a bunch of stuff. It's all airing on Samurai, so I assume all of it will also be, um, you know, if not on streaming services, then they'll be on various... uh, you know, and I, actually, I don't even know how to how do You and I both have Samurai TV. I don't know how people without Samurai. I guess they get it from Twitter now, right? Like these people tweet out the links. But I uh... mean, I don't,
0: I don't know. My, <laughs> my, so I got a new TV recently, and it actually has a Sky Perfect TV app built into it. So like, I, I have like two clicks to get to to Samurai now. So I'm, I'm very uh, fortunate in that regard, and I don't really know how people are watching it at this point, to be honest.
1: Yeah um but yeah i'm just looking through and i don't know i can't find the link the list so it's a bunch of shows uh we're not talking about them here because you know like i've talked about the past couple of weeks it's not really my thing you know i mean i'm gonna watch them i'm probably all of them because i'll be i'll be bored enough i'm sure but like i just it's not really like I, I don't find them interesting enough to talk about like to me one of the most interesting things about pro wrestling is like the reaction to the crowds and, you know, how the crowd's reacting to this and how the crowd's not reacting to that. And that, you know, gives you a great thing to talk about. And it's like with these empty arena shows, you know, it just takes away a major thing that you're going to want. Like, there is, you can't be like, wow, he's getting a lot of momentum with the fans or the fans are really getting behind him. It's like, I don't know what the fans are behind watching at home. You know, they need like a little poll, like a little thumbs up or thumbs down. It's like, do you like uh, this Yuji Okobayashi reign in 2AW? And they can either vote thumbs up or thumbs down.
0: You know, well, what, know. you know what else I could do is you know how like on Instagram live videos there's like you know you can do like instant reactions that like you know puts like hearts or whatever as, right. as the stream is going on. So they could have like a bar like in a video game for each wrestler. <laughs> if, like if Cyber Agent was doing this for DDT maybe it would work or maybe for Noah. Yeah. And then like the people that are watching it could like real time basically like boost the momentum of or their support of, of one side or the other, I don't know if it would be interesting if they could maybe like put it on the screen in the venue and the wrestlers could try to change how they're calling the match in reaction to it. that would be next level. but yeah
1: yeah. I mean, see it, I'm glad you mentioned cyber agent because the other point is uh, none of the promotions that are corporate backed basically are you know doing this. Well, and I like, think that's,
0: you know, as I said before, these companies that are doing it are the ones that need to do it to stay afloat or they, you know, they can't turn down the the TV revenue. So I think the ones yeah. that have that increased security can make the better call in terms of the judgment.
1: Yeah. So like, you know, do, no, Noah was originally going to run a bunch of empty arena shows, but they're not doing it, um, you know, all in May. DDT, I don't think it's running anything. I think they're just doing talk shows, obviously. I mean, New Japan has not run anything since it started. Like, the last show was late February. Yeah. I don't think there's anything on like the books to start. So, um, you know, the, anecdotally, I've heard... At, you know, you, you're pretty well connected over there, too. I've heard that, like, New Japan actually isn't really in danger of making any cuts or anything. And from talking to my other friends, like, my more... Uh, you know, who are into the other side, I guess, of Bushi Road. Like, apparently... Uh, they're like they're gotcha. Like mobile game income is way up since this thing started, which I guess yep. makes sense. Like what that the fuck totally else do people have to? Yeah, so like that's probably helping. I guess it's probably covering for you know the law lo- because they're lo- they're losing money not just for New Japan but also they run like a lot of anime events, you know, mm-hmm. and all of those are obviously not happening. But yeah, I mean, like if if the, the if the they're making so much extra money on other divisions, I guess you know. It's a lot easier to sit there and say, "Well, we, we're not running any Japan shows. We don't have to cut anybody." So, yeah,
0: and I assume Cyber Agent gets ad revenue from Obama and stuff like that, so they're probably is, okay. You
1: know, those Noah shows are doing pretty good numbers. Like they're doing like over one hundred and forty thousand, I think. So, which is like higher than I think DDT even normally does. So, I think. Yeah, people I think.
0: At home. I think video content is is uh in a good spot in this situation like relative to music streaming for example i heard was way down because people aren't commuting Uh, people aren't
1: podcasts are too
0: (laughs) yeah so but i think video content is you know the perfect uh you know i don't know medicine for this
1: although not if you're a professional wrestling promotion in the u.s because the ratings are all way down I I don't know. I just think those. I mean, those WWE shows are fucking unwatchable. So like, it's like whatever. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know why AW so far down. But maybe somebody who I don't. I I guess they're not super down, right? They were doing like nine hundred thousand, and now they're doing like six or seven hundred thousand. But I don't know. You you think? I mean, if you asked me before all this started, I would have guessed that they would be. They'd all be way up, right? Because you'd think logically. Okay, we're all stuck in our homes. There's so much less going on. You know, you'd think people would be like well, more willing to watch something like that, but I don't know. I mean, I I just don't. Especially the American empty arena wrestling, I don't find compelling at all. The Japanese stuff, even even then, I only find so compelling. So I guess the more it's come out, uh, you know, the more we've seen it of it. I guess I'm not really surprised that the ratings are way down. But yeah. But like you said, we, the, it gives us time to watch old stuff. The, the thing I've been watching, or just started watching last night. I So Dragon Gate, I don't know. Do you have the Dragon Gate Network? Do you subscribe to that? I do. So I just, I was subscribed to it for a while and then I got rid of it because like I wasn't watching enough of the new shows in that seven day window, you know, before they go away. Yeah. But what maybe we subscribe is they're uploading all these original Torium on shows, like starting from episode one, the, the monthly TV. Mm-hmm. In like the most amazing video quality. Oh, wow. like I don't know, like I, I guess you haven't seen these, but like they're like these shows from nineteen eighty nine and like you know into like two, I think they're up to like two thousand one maybe. Right. Like they, we've basically never seen this kind of video quality for these early Toriyama shows. Right. Because even it's all
0: like second generation VHS tapes and
1: right. Like even like when I was first starting out as a Japanese wrestling fan, in, like two thousand two, you know, I would order DVDs and stuff, and I would rent dvds from uh you know from stores but like like this japanese rental store that was near my house but like they were basically you know they just tv rips off of Gayora. so like the quality really was not very good right. and i'm sure that's the stuff that's ended up online too is all these tv i mean i've never seen you know anything i mean you saw match we watch today that the video quality on that wasn't very good right but you know these these cl- these episodes on the DGNet site. On the other hand, I think they look like they're straight off the masters. I mean, the, the we we've, we've basically never had video of that quality, um, you know, on online anywhere. So yeah. that is really cool. and, and uh, also doing-
0: G Plus. You know, the the company that that broadcasts Noah has been uh, putting on some old Noah shows in really really good quality HD on TV, oh. uh, you know, maybe one or two every month, uh, but they're going back from the beginning of the, of the company. So you get really high quality for the first time of those shows too.
1: Oh, I got to look into that. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> but yeah, I ha- cause I have G plus, but yeah, I mean, anyone listening, you should, if you're, if you're really into, if you're, you think you would be into old tour, mom, which is like from the start of the promotion and you know, you want to check it out. I mean, that, that is just, that's worth the fifteen dollars alone, I think. Like, if you're listening to so this, good. I think
0: you should probably check it out. I'm not going to say
1: that. <laughs> I don't know. Some people don't like Dragon Gate style. So it's all right. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean, like that. I just watched the first episode last night, and just like seeing Magnum Tokyo's first entrance in Korkin and like, uh, like almost HD quality was just like holy shit. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like the, the, these these women like. Uh, <laughs> shoving the dollars down his pants a little too aggressively, honestly. But <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, that's a uh, that's a, that's a really cool feature. And they also have this other feature where like all the wrestlers are choosing like their favorite matches and they're going up. And a lot, a lot of them are very old matches that have not been online in high quality. So like I know, I think Dragon Kid chose or or da- Dragon Kid or Kness, I don't know who but one of them chose the Dragon Kid versus Darkness Dragon mass versus mass match versus match match that's very famous from 2002, I want to say. I think like, that
0: was Kness, yeah.
1: Yeah, and like that, you know, just to see, I'm going to watch that probably tonight after this, we record this because to see that in like super high quality is going to be really cool. So yeah, DG Net, that's a good archive if you're looking for old stuff. DT Universe has a lot of old DDT. Uh, New Japan World keeps adding stuff, although, I mean, their video quality really isn't as good as the DG or DDT sites it is silly, but, uh...
0: right? Because their <laughs> streaming service is operated by the people that own all of their video content. <laughs> it's really, it's really stupid. I don't know why um, when they I first launched why. it. I mean, we're getting way off topic here, but when they first launched it, they uploaded a bunch of stuff that they had digitally, but they've, that's been the most disappointing part of, of new Japan world for me is that they just, they're sitting on so much content that they're not utilizing. Um, but I
1: digress. Yeah so i guess we'll say um I, I i don't understand even why they like some of the stuff they choose not to subtitle or translate is really bizarre like they've been doing these like history of each unit videos for the new japan together project that looks pretty really cool but they don't fucking subtitle that and meanwhile they subtitle these like 45 minute interviews with wrestlers i can't imagine many people are watching so i'm just like okay like why don't we subtitle the, these History of L.I.J. videos. I'm sure all the L.I.J. fans would like to, you know, who don't speak Japanese would like to know what they're saying. But, uh, okay, they're not, they're not doing that. So, I don't know. They, they make some very bizarre choices over there, I have to say. If anyone happens to listen to this, which isn't – it could be far-fetched, it could be not be far-fetched, uh, you know, please, <laughs> please subtitle those videos if you if you happen to hear this. Um, but, anyway, so let's get into our five matches. Um First of all, so you've—I guess—before I introduce, you know, start introducing the matches, I haven't really even talked about your history um, as a podcaster. You did Japan audio wrestling um, from when to when exactly?
0: I did it uh, for about a year, right? Um, yeah, about a year, um, maybe two years ago, or right. maybe three years ago at this point. Um, but yeah, so my history as a podcaster is, is pretty short, honestly. (laughs) Um, but yeah, you know, Chris Charlton had been doing it, uh, and he had me on as a guest and then uh, basically asked me if I would take it over. Um, and I hit the ground running and didn't really know what I was doing. And, you know, I kind of experimented with different music things and then you know it was it was fairly short-lived but i enjoyed it and i enjoy podcasting i enjoy you know the people that i get to talk to and the viewpoints i get to hear and um yeah so that's that's basically you know something that i've been doing since i've been here in japan um and uh you know something I'm considering getting more into now that I have a lot more time on my hands, but I haven't uh fully decided if that's gonna happen or not
1: um yeah, I mean what you talked about like having different viewpoints on it, I mean that's my that probably is my favorite part of hosting the show is where I get to have so many different people on who just like you know all have their own opinions on stuff um but yeah i mean you you i li- used to listen to that show, I used to do a lot of solo episodes, right. I yeah
0: so i would try to have uh a guest on every time but there were some solos and it wasn't even like really a set scheduled. i think basically if there was something noteworthy to talk about or i went to a really good show i would talk about it uh we yeah. did some ddt we did uh some new japan some dragon gate uh some all japan um i think that was basically what i covered oh i guess noah um yeah. But, yeah, I mean, getting the different perspectives and meeting the people and, you know, making the connections was it was pretty cool. You know, if I was doing it with someone that wasn't living here and then when they came here, you know, it was, um, you know, we get to meet in person and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, pretty cool. And
1: that's what I think you were doing. You know, maybe you weren't doing the show yet. The first time I met you was March 2016. I want to say like the first yeah. It was like the Allen, it was the Allen for L Al trip where we all went to invasion and attack. It was that was my first time in Japan. Yeah, so I had ju-
0: yeah, I had just moved here. Uh yeah. a couple months before that. And yeah. I was actually planning on going on the trip with you guys if I wasn't gonna end up moving here. <laughs> and then it kind of just worked out that I had my timeline got pushed up and I was already
1: living here. So that um, was that was a really fun trip, even even though I kinda ended up on my own a lot because uh I don't know. I I had been wanting to go to Japan long before I was a Japanese wrestling fan. So like I had like this big list of stuff that like I really wanted to see. And I and it felt like almost everybody else in the trip was like, uh, I wanna see Korikan, <laughs> you know, and I wanna see uh God, what the hell's the name of that wrestling store? Tosh Totokan? Yeah. Yeah. Like I wanna see Totokan. They spent they felt like some days they spent like eight hours in that store. And God bless yeah. Total Con, but I don't know. Like, I do not regret going to, like, I did a day trip to Kyoto, and I do not regret doing that over to spending a day in Total Con. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's just There was just so much shit I really wanted to see. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I also wasn't a huge nerd because I did spend plenty of time, like, in Japanese arcades. But, like, that is, again, what I've, I've been dreaming of seeing a Japanese arcades since I was, like, 12 years old, probably. So, yeah. But that was the kind of shit I wanted to do, and like everybody else on the trip was not. There was like what actually Joey Bay was kind of the closest to a fellow weeb, I guess, because he he had like studied Japanese in college and was like actually kind of interested in like more of the cultural stuff than anybody else on the trip. And he did go with me on a bunch of it, but it was pretty much either just me or just me and him a lot of the time. So you know, it was what it was, I guess, but. I mean, going to the shows with all those guys was really fun, so.
0: For sure. You know. That's, you know, we, a lot of times now recently or not super recently, obviously, but, you know, my main wrestling viewing in, in person is with someone that's here on a trip. Um, right. So, you know, whether it's Joey, like you mentioned, or Alan, like you mentioned, or um, Jonas or, you know, anybody who comes. that I think a lot of those guys were on that trip. Yeah. Um, you know it's a good opportunity for me to catch up and see some wrestling at the same time so
1: that's the point i was gonna make once you go on one trip you probably go on another because that i mean that's just such such a fun place to travel to if you can afford to do it so like i'm not surprised all those names were also on because like every yeah like every name you mentioned was on that 2016 trip yeah but uh yeah i know all those guys have gone i mean alan was over there at the same time uh, as me i think on this last trip i think he was all right yeah i ran into maybe to,
0: three shows with them this time they were here. yeah
1: i ran into them at uh we were staying at the same hotel by chance because i really wanted to stay at the tokyo dome hotel finally it was always like booked every time i tried before but i finally yeah. got it somehow i don't i only did like two nights though because it's very expensive but yeah it was kind of cool um But yeah, I mean, it's just such a cool place to travel to, and you know, like I said, I'm not really surprised people keep going back because you know, back if you're listening to this, uh, (laughs) back before coronavirus, people used to travel to places. (laughs) The thing we used to, thing we used to do, yeah. But Um, but like you said, it's definitely it must be cool for you to just to see, you know, people I, you know, that, that their eyes light up the first time they're in Cork and stuff.
0: I'll tell a quick story. So
1: I don't I guess it was his first trip.
0: I guess it was his first trip. Um, so Mort, the first time he came, yeah. uh, he, he might get embarrassed by this. But basically, <laughs> you know, he was coming from Narita, I guess, and into Shinjuku station. And my my office is in Shinjuku. So I said, you know, I'm on my lunch break, I'll I'll just come meet you at the station. And, you know, I'm waiting outside the turnstile for, for Mort. And, uh, I see him turn around the corner. I don't think we had ever met before, so I'm gonna go with the the fact that this was his first trip and like <laughs> he was like a man possessed like when he <laughs> saw daylight and the turnstile, he just like plowed through it, didn't even think about how he would pay, and just <laughs> like, <laughs> just like burst through into the the wild in Japan with so much excitement and then like the the, the station staff had to like come chase him down and say
1: he have to pay to get out.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, because
1: you, it's tapping and out for people to know. It's just like Boston, I think, there's also like that here.
0: Yeah. So, or if like you don't have the train card yet, you have to pay, yeah. you have to pay with a ticket. And yeah, it's not super uh, intuitive if you've never experienced it before. But the, the main point of the story is that first, <laughs> yes, that first. Stepping foot in Japan can be awesome if you if you yeah. witness it for some people like Mort.
1: Was that because tr- that was 2017 because I was on the same trip with him actually? So, yeah,
0: so yeah. maybe it wasn't his first
1: trip, which <laughs> makes it which makes it even funnier, which makes yeah. it even funnier, but yeah, yeah, I don't just t- know. yeah 2017 yeah. G1 was uh, yeah, he, that was his first trip. Adam. Oh, okay,
0: okay, but it wasn't your yeah. first trip, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think no, that was, was right, I think that's right, yeah,
1: yeah. Because I've done, I've done three so far. Yeah. So Supposed yeah. to do a fourth in October. <laughs>
0: will that happen? I don't know. Uh,
1: as as, and as I'm learning uh, with all these other canceled trips so far, will I get my money from back to the airline? Fuck no, I won't. So, I don't know. I'm sure you'll make yeah. it
0: back eventually.
1: Yeah, but uh, I mean, I honestly, that's that. I'm I'm more worried about that than whether or not I'm going to go. Because I, if I don't go in October. I already have a trip planned, like with like p- pretty much all of my like longtime like you know like anime fan friends are planning a trip at the end of 2021. So, you know, I'm definitely gonna go then. I assume I, unless if we're some, somehow still shut down by like December 2021, I have a lot bigger problems than whether or not I can go to Japan again. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, the yes, yeah, so i you know I'll be there then, and I'll finally go to Wrestle Kingdom, which somehow I haven't done yet. But, you know, I just really wanted to see the fall G1, which, you know, apparently now I probably could have waited another year. (laughs) But um, that was pretty much my thinking. So and there's also, I think, like a DDT Corican. I've never seen DDT Corican before. So just kind of like lined up for like a quick like 11 day trip. But, uh, you know, I guess if you want to tell people what's because I've told people a lot like what um, going to Japan is like. like. We did a lot of podcasts on that. I guess if you can, like what you can tell me what day to day life is like, if there's any, you know, like I'm sure the commute is uh, like, you take a train, right. For the, for like your work commute and all that.
0: Yeah. I take, I take two different subway lines. I live in Tokyo, so I don't have to take like one of the really packed commuter trains to get into the city. But basically Mm -hmm. I take two subway lines and it takes me what's like a three mile trek takes me about 40 minutes just because There's a long transfer that I have to do at Rapongi, but, um, yeah. So like, you know, in Miami and Florida where I'm from, you drive a lot, there's no public transportation. So that was a big change for me. Um, you know, we were talking before we started recording. My favorite thing about living here is, you know, going to different restaurants. So in normal times, that's usually the thing that I enjoy most, just trying different types of ramen and different types of whatever. Um, and, you know, life here is good. I mean, it's uh, it's a little strange at the moment, but um, I really enjoy living here. And, you know, if anybody has the opportunity to either study here or work here and is thinking about it, uh, I would definitely recommend doing it if you get the chance. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's pretty much I have a lot of friends who have gone over there and most of them have like to live or study for a while. And like most of them have positive experience. There's like one or two didn't really like it because it can't it, it's I've always said like Japan is it's the closest you can get to the west while also still being so different that you feel like you're on like a different planet but it's still enough like similarities that you're not gonna be like completely lost like I've heard from people who have lived other places like to me it sounds like if you went to i uh, to name a completely random country like India you would be more Uh, lost and you will be in Japan, you know, but, but they both have that similar kind of like the culture is so different that it is like really interesting to experience, but Japan is much more like, I think still a little easier for us to get used to, if that makes sense. Especially
0: Tokyo, right? Like if you're coming to Japan and you're in Tokyo and you're coming from another big city, it's going to be somewhat familiar, even though it's going to feel a little bit like another planet as well.
1: Yeah. So that's always an interesting part. And, and obviously, if you come from somewhere with public transportation, you know, that part of it won't be yeah, crazy. It'll just, it'll just be functional <laughs> compared to yeah. New York. And there's that, English
0: signage know. everywhere and stuff like that. So if that's holding you back from coming, that's not a, a thing yeah. that I would worry about.
1: I've made that point to Joe Lance a million times <laughs> because he's very scared that he would get completely lost. But he's also very much a car guy. So, you yeah. Know. I'm sure it'll be a little daunting. Um, but anyway, I guess let's get into these matches finally. So uh, if you haven't listened to the last two episodes, the format here is pretty simple. You picked two matches. I picked two matches. Those we're going to talk about. And then the fifth and final match was we each picked a third match, and they went to a fan vote, and the fans chose the fifth match we're going to talk about. Before we get into the first match, if you had to guess, on average... How many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor? What would you say? Well, Americans have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in most most major U.S. studies. I imagine it's even longer right now, but that's what what it was before the coronavirus stuff started. Uh, If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform. ...that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state... ...all from the comfort of your home. Uh, Roman makes it very very easy, very convenient to get the treatment that you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit... ...and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If the doctor decides the treatment is right for you... ...Roman's Pharmacy can also ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups at your doctor anytime you have questions... Or want to adjust your treatment plan with Roman? There's never any commitments, and you can always cancel every time, cancel at any time. Uh, if you're struggling with ED, go to getroman.com/vow for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com/vow for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. So let's start with your first pick, which was Jun versus Kenta Kobashi. From July twenty fourth, nineteen ninety eight, in all Japan, I guess go ahead and first of all introduce the match. Um, You know, if you have any special history with it, I guess you can talk about that, and then if you, I guess, explain why you picked this match.
0: Yeah, so, um, basically, you know, seeing Kenta Kobashi for the first time is what in, it was. What initially sparked my interest in japan basically um it was the first first japanese wrestling match i ever saw was kabashi against misawa i've told the story before um and uh you know it it more or less changed my life right i eventually started wanting to understand what the commentary was saying so i learned the language um it has influenced my life so much that now i live here because all because i saw this wrestling match not the one we're going to talk about right Um, so, but basically Kenta Kobashi, uh, is my favorite wrestler ever. And this match that we're going to talk about is my favorite match ever for sure. Okay. Um, Wow. Yeah. So that's why I picked it. Um, and you know, this is not only my favorite Kobashi match, but it's my favorite match of all time. Uh, and I didn't see it, uh, you know, at the time, this was a little bit before I started watching, uh, Japanese wrestling, maybe like a year before. So it took me several years to see this match. And it didn't really get that much hype. So honestly, I don't even know. It wasn't one of the... Like, I didn't go to it next. You know, I saw that 97 Misawa Kobashi match. And then I jumped in and started watching the contemporary stuff. And then I went back to the earlier 90s stuff. And it it took me a long time to get to this match because
1: it wasn't really
0: critically acclaimed. Um, but I I don't understand why because
1: this well, match. Get, so go ahead. So I got I got an interesting comment when I was uh, you know, when I put out this match on the Discord and the Omakase channel. Uh, Chad Campbell was another guy who's been around forever, you know, and seen the the internet fandom for a long time. He basically said this Smash got slept on uh, because a guy by the name of JDW didn't like it. And you have to understand, I guess, in 1998. The yeah. Japanese wrestling phantom in the West was so fucking tiny that yeah. like one person not liking a match was probably enough to keep the critical, um, you know, the critical opinion of that match down for a yeah. while.
0: And like, you know, usually the most accessible versions of these matches were going to be the versions that aired on TV, which were probably clipped. Um, you know, you could get like. Copies of the commercial tapes too, but like you said, if if one didn't get the rub initially, it may not ever get really the the eyes on it.
1: Yeah. So like, I mean, the what he said was that JDW this JDW person who used to for other people who are I guess old heads like us. um, Do you know the site the other arena? Do you know that site? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So he
1: was like he was one of the other arena guys basically. So he was very influential, I think, as far as the rest internet wrestling fandom. Especially Japanese wrestling internet wrestling fandom in the West at that time. Yeah. Like he, he basically said he wishes it was Kawada in the match. That was what he said. Well, okay. So, like, so it, it <laughs> the Western was fan base the has match. been the, the, the Western previous... fan base has been obsessed with Kawada, I feel like, to the to the detriment of being into the other, you know, pillars, so, you know? Just to give it a little bit of context, that's that's
0: a bad reason to not want it because <laughs> Kobashi had the previous so okay all Japan used to run Budokan every month basically yeah and at the previous month's show the main event was Kobashi versus Kawada and Kobashi won the title from Kawada so they had just done that match
1: right but I think he meant Kawada instead of Kobashi Remember, oh, got it. Okay. Didn't, okay, okay. didn't Kawada oh, win the title from yeah. so, Kobashi? Win the title from Kawada right after Kawada finally beat Masawa? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. For
1: well, sure. okay, so the internet wrestling fandom at the time was very obsessed for Kawada over here, you know. Okay, like, that, Kawada that was like sense. the guy, and they they took the title off him so fast because he was fucking bombing his champion compared to Masawa. I mean, it just wasn't working. If you go back and read the Observer at the time, like. You know, I, I don't remember if it was. The only, maybe you can argue they didn't give enough time or something. But I think like his his one defense or his tour where he was champion or something. I don't even know if he made it one through one defense. But the tour after he lost the title or something like that started was just like the defense was way down. Yeah. So they were just like, okay, we have to go in a different direction. We can't do Masala again. I think he was either hurt or just like taking time off or something. So yeah. I tried Kobashi instead, and I feel like. This this whole period, and the fact that you know Kawada, Kawada gets that big win over Masao finally after so many years, and then immediately loses, immediately loses the title, like caused a great deal of resentment of Kobashi among Kawada fans. So I think that's kind of what the internet wrestling thing was. And, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what I that was always my perception. Years later, looking back and like talking to people and reading, you know, I I used to just, like read old wrestling forms sometimes and read you know, observers and stuff. It definitely felt to me like the Kawada fans resented Kobashi winning the title so quick. So mm,
0: that makes sense. Um, that June match where where Kawada dropped the title to Kobashi, it was really, really good, too. Um, yeah. So if you haven't seen that, check that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, so in terms of this match, uh, when Kobashi won the title from... Kawada, he basically said that this was going to be a new era of all Japan. Um, So his first defense was against basically the face of the next era after him, which was Akiyama. Uh, And at this point, they hadn't started teaming regularly yet. The burning team hadn't really formed. So basically, you know, as you mentioned, they switch courses quickly to go to Kobashi, uh, and then he says, okay, I'm shaking things up and, you know, this is a new era. And then Akiyama's his first challenger. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what I love about this match is it's it's structured basically completely opposite from how you would think it would be structured. Uh, so there is a long history between Akiyama and Kobashi, which, which I won't really, really get into too much. I will say quickly that Akiyama had his debut against Kobashi, which was a huge deal. Probably the biggest debut match um, in all Japan history because Akiyama was a pretty uh, decorated amateur. Um, And, you know, so just dethroning Kawada and, you know, being such an imposing uh, physical uh, wrestler, Kobashi obviously was the favorite going into this match, you know, from whatever perspective you want to call that. Uh, but Akiyama gets like all the offense. He just completely destroys Kobashi's knee. Um, f- you know, basically he had already kind of weakened it throughout the tour. So Kobashi was wearing a, a sleeve under his knee pad and they just did an amazing job of, of basically building up the tension to the point where. Akiyama hits this low drop kick and like the reaction, we're talking about not having a reaction in a, in an empty arena match. Well, this was like this match was made by that first reaction on that low drop kick. Uh and then, you know, Akiyama's just relentless throughout the whole match and doesn't really give Kobashi any offense. Um, or Kobashi doesn't take any offense, I guess you can say. And uh Kobashi's selling is just fucking incredible. Um so the combination of like Akiyama being this like somewhat of an underdog that is just super super aggressive. Yeah, he's an like underdog just, prick. Not like yeah, an underdog exactly.
1: you want to root for. Yeah.
0: So um the, it's just like the perfect blend to me that ends up being the perfect match and my and my favorite match ever.
1: Um yeah, I mean, look, I'm not. I <laughs> all I'm going to do is praise it as well. I mean, I had seen this before, but it, it had been a long time. I'd say probably it must have been at least ten years, probably longer than that. So you know, I probably saw it. Um, you know, I went back and watched a lot of the major Triple Crown All Japan title matches um, pretty early into my Japanese wrestling fandom. And I think a lot of people probably did at the time. At the time, but like the last time I saw this must have been like at least ten years ago. Yeah, um, but you know, I still remember. I mean, there, I, I, I remember that I like really went rel- relentless on the knee, and that was basically the story here. Um, you know, the there's just Kobashi. What makes this match is that Kobashi is just so, like one of the best, if not the best, like babyface pure workers of all time, and he was so good at like conveying both. You know, like you said, the selling was incredible. But he was somehow he was you know there there is a universe where this match does not work because like you said Akiyama's Z underdog Kobashi has been he had been triple crown champion already right I think like ninety six right
0: yeah this was a second reign
1: this was a second reign so he's he's already established as a main eventer he just beat Kawada in like two seconds which pissed off the Kawada fans although really you wouldn't know that from listening to the crowd um, you know the the crowd the crowd in Japan was always really behind Kobashi which always made the um, like, you know, some of the, some of the people who didn't like him over here kind of sounds stupid anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean like he, you know, the crowd is super, super behind him. Um, but like, he's, he's way bigger than Agama too, especially at this point. Juma put on more weight as you go into Noah, but at this point, Kobashi looks gigantic and, you know, he easily, they the match easily could have been like, you know, this big, this big bully beaten down this younger underdog, but they work it in such a perfect way. And June comes up like such an asshole, like, attacking this. leg. June's, like, um, you know, work here, just, like, mercilessly going after the leg was, like, really, really good. And I think kind of signaled the transition of his career, you know, into the next stage that you'd see where he would go on to be, you know, possibly the best. I mean, you could make a strong argument this is the best face versus the best heel in pure history, right? I don't think I don't think you, anyone would call that. Even if they didn't agree, I don't think anyone would call that a crazy argument.
0: So, I th- yeah, I think I think that's a pretty sound argument. After I mean, after just having watched this match again, I'm not going to argue with you. But yeah, um, I don't know if I would if I if you asked me who the best heel of all time was, I don't think Akiyama would necessarily be my first pick. Um, but yes, and I think in terms of the seeds that were planted in this match, you could tell. I mean there's just so much to this shit man so like you could tell that the booking here was intended obviously to set akiyama up to be triple crown tramp at some point right yeah um you know so they put akiyama and kobashi together as a team after this uh they had a uh, an awesome run as a team Um, probably the quintessential tag match of like the late late like late 90s head drop uh all japan um era is probably one of their matches against the untouchables um and you know it's anyway like the setup here for the match we're going to talk about probably next i would assume uh is amazing too it's a little you know obviously not i don't think it was intended that it would happen somewhere other than an all japan ring um and obviously some injuries for kobashi got in the way of them really being able to tell the story sequentially um but yeah, this this was the match that made Akiyama look like a guy who could be the best wrestler in the world. And he would eventually become the best wrestler in the world. But this was the first time you saw that, I think.
1: Yeah. And the other thing the other point I want to make, I mean, you said Kobashi's like selling was incredible. A lot of the times when you when you point out that a wrestler nowadays is not selling a like con- selling a like consistently in a leg match. Whether you're talking, there's been a lot of examples recently. Whether you're talking Takashita, uh, Kento Miyahara, Kenny Omega, all have been guilty of it at times over the past few years. And one of the excuses you'll get is like, "Well, they're trying to have this very modern back and forth, you know, big spot match. That you know, you have to accept that they're not going to always be able to settle like consistently." Anyone who ever makes that point should watch this fucking match. And watch Kenta Kobashi sell the fucking leg. The entire match, he never forgets about it. The entire time, he always remembers to clutch that leg. Every single time, he'll get, he will get like the sh- shortest little burst of energy to be able to hit this le- these lariats, and he'll immediately sell the leg. He won't go riding across the ring uh, perfectly to hit fucking five knees to the face in a row. He won't, he won't do, like, a fucking perfect dive. Not that he ever did many dives anyway. But, like, he, he still, like, he'll do these little tiny bursts of speed, maybe, to, to hit these lariats. And that is it. He always kept his running to, like, a complete minimum. He's never running across the ring over and over again. And he's always selling the leg every single time he goes down. I mean, there, some of the lariats he hits in this match were, like, he's almost just, like, jumping into it and hitting the lariat and then immediately selling the leg again. It's just, like... The level of dedication to leg selling here, I mean, it really made me think, like, maybe one of the reasons why I'm so much harder on all these modern wrestlers when they do these leg matches and just either blow completely blow the leg off or alternate between uh, selling a leg and, like, you know, doing 5,000 handspring dives or something. Uh, that Another one that i very guilty of it recently was Will Ospreay in that match with Tanahashi in the G1. They couldn't believe so many people praise Maybe because I grew up with to Kobashi's leg selling is why I'm so hard on these people. But yeah, you can do it. You can. There are a million fucking spots in this match. Anyone who watches this match can tell you they do suplex exchanges. They do a million fucking amazing spots in this match. And Kobashi sells a leg the entire time. So don't tell me it's yeah. impossible. It is very possible.
0: Yeah. And they. I think the other thing they do is they work the leg into the big spots. Right. So like there's a crazy apron dragon screw uh, that it looks brutal um, because it's, you know, targeting the leg and the bump that Kobashi takes is crazy. There's a there's a top rope dragon screw. Kobashi does these like suplexes on the outside that are just pure desperation, just like flings Akiyama with that burst of energy that you were talking about on the lariats. So that structure of like Akiyama pulling out the stops and doing crazy shit that you've never seen. Like there's a couple of times where he just throws Kobashi's knee into the turnbuckle or the guardrail, uh, these dragon screws out of nowhere that he hasn't typically done. And then Kobashi just using these short bursts to kind of fight back and, uh, you know, eventually win is, is, you know, just adds to it. But yeah, the whole thing about, the selling is is completely true and this is what this is how you sell a limb and this is this is how you do it yeah
1: yeah and you know they uh you know it, it is where it is you know i mean people people are always going to make that argument i guess but it's just it's if you want to do like a crazy high spot match or you don't want to sell a leg just don't do a leg spot <laughs> just don't do a bunch of leg spots to start of your match like i don't know why that's so hard for people but yeah, well, I mean, not everybody
0: to... can be Kenta Kobashi. Let's face it. <laughs>
1: that that's very true. But also, just I don't know, just don't do the leg spots. You know what? Wanna... Keep not selling the
0: leg, <laughs> so I can continue to enjoy Kobashi as the best
1: wrestler of all time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, 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 there's there's like one moment, especially where, um, you know, it's a very simple moment, but like when June hits this chop block on Kobashi. These women like fucking scream like they're witnessing <laughs> yeah. someone be murdered. And it's like, that's because this man is so good if someone's fucking like. You you think anyone's gonna scream like bloody murder's happening on Chop Block if uh if Kobashi isn't this good at what he's doing? So yeah, I mean this this match was incredible. I went four and three quarters. I didn't go to full five. Um I would the there was like a couple spots where I'm like, oh, that could have looked a little better. And that's pretty much it, I guess. I don't know. Like that's the only thing that kept it from being perfect to me. But yeah, still, an, still an absolutely fucking incredible match. Definitely, um, you know, one of one of the matches that you de- like. If you're gonna watch any of the matches from today, like this, absolutely has to be the one you want. I mean, you should watch all of them, honestly, but especially this one because this match is fucking incredible. Yeah, and I uh, think
0: if you're gonna go back and watch all japan don't fucking leave this match out is the point yeah you please do not leave this match out you have to see this if you're gonna you know if you want to watch what all classic all japan is like you have to watch this match
1: and by the way um, there's always been these people i don't think they do this as much now but like when i first started watching they definitely did this there were people that would tell you like stop watching all japan like 96 or ninety five or they come up with these crazy numbers. So I think people used to argue like ninety-four was the end of the peak. Right. And it's like these people are on crack. Okay. I Do mean not listening to these people. <laughs> All now the kids go we pretty know, much to the fucking end.
0: Well, now we know because of Twitter that everybody's position on something sucks, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, can we really fault these people for saying that it ended, you know, with, with
1: Terry Gordy? I don't know, but uh I don't agree. Yeah. Yeah, keep watching All Japan. the only The only stuff I that to me doesn't that isn't really that great is like 2000. But it's very understandable at that point. It's like, well, they were going through some shit, you know, yeah. split was about to happen. And I'm not yeah. one of the people that dislikes early Noah. I love early Noah, so I think it, they get it back on track. But yeah, the the All Japan portion of 2000 really isn't very good. But they they had bigger shit to worry about, you know. Yeah. But 99 is still good. I like 99. I know some people don't like it, but uh anyway i have
0: a soft spot bo- soft spot for it just because that's when i started watching so it's right. like that's where I, that was my breaking in point so i you know i obviously i understand the flaws of the style but I, yeah. I enjoy it still
1: so let's move over then to my first pick which was i just thought it'd be fun to do i i guess you could say the next big match i know there's a 99 champion carnival match i don't even remember that match so i'm sure it was probably good but yeah, they met in the first in the first round of the '99 Champion Carnival uh, in Hiroshima. I, I actually don't even that. I, I see what made tape, but I don't remember it at all. Yeah, so I had the
0: I had the 2000. You said 2000 or 99?
1: 99. 99. That was their next All Japan. Match. Mm,
0: maybe I haven't seen. I don't think I had the the 2000 or the the 99 Carnival like commercial tape. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, this is basically this is the next noteworthy match. Although, how I you know considering how I just said like please watch this match is the best match ever. It's very possible that their next match was also really good. So if you can find it, you should watch it.
1: Uh, so this is August six two thousand Jun versus Kent Kobashi at the Departure Number Two Show in Differ Ariage. This is the the second show of Noah's opening weekend. At Differ yeah. we and the the night before as well. Uh, the first show, it had like a main event was Akiyama and Kobashi beating Misawa and tawa in a two out of three falls match. I believe June lays out Kobashi afterward, right?
0: That's yeah. How that so, ends, I think. yeah, he he so he beat Misawa in two minutes with a front front neck lock. He debuted that that finisher basically in the, on that first Noah show. He comes out. To give some context, if you guys haven't seen it. So he wore blue his whole career, Akiyama. Then he comes out for the first Noah show wearing white. And, you know, you think, you know, the, the knight in shining white armor is going to be the good guy teaming with Kobashi, who's obviously a good guy. But he beats Misawa in two minutes with a front neck lock. Doesn't really release a hold right away. Uh, then he beats Kawada. So he gets Akiyama gets both falls for his team. Ta- you win. mean ta- ta-
1: ta- 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 yeah. 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 Who did I say? Kawada. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, yeah, Kawada, not Noah. Yeah, yeah, not Noah. Sorry.
0: Sorry. Sorry. Not <laughs> <song>. <laughs> um, uh, so he beat both of them consecutively. Uh, and yeah, does like a, dro- a backdrop to Kabashi afterwards. I think yeah. it's what I remember. I couldn't find that spot when I rewatched that debut match last night. But that was my memory as well. I think he leaves with like um, Kanemaru at that point, too.
1: So then then that gives us this match. Um, so, yeah, like you mentioned, he's he's already in that white gear and stuff. I just thought it'd be cool to, like, do the next big match, like you said, after we just did the 98 match. I don't think – I mean, I'll, I'll be interested to hear your opinion. I don't think this match is on the same level as that 98 match. But uh, I just thought it'd be fun to see where things go next. And this is, like, June getting his big win finally. Um, the, the way the match starts is very interesting where Kobashi – you know he seems way more ready for the akayama like attack this time like his knee is all bandaged up and i believe that's what he misses that's why he misses all that time coming up yeah so right? I, he
0: he had just had surgery on that knee 2 months before this match mm-hmm. and you know I, whatever the severity of the recovery was he says that it was only at 70% still you know, as the match was starting and he taped up his elbow because he had supposedly heard that in the match the previous night. Um so yeah. yeah, he's a walking mess. And he would eventually go to take a considerable amount of time off after right. Uh, so after this
1: match to heal up again. Um well not, but not yeah. after this match. So he, well, he yeah, goes not, all the way
0: yeah. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, he goes he makes it to the rest of two thousand and they even have another Akiyama Kobashi match, which I I thought about choosing that one too. But the December uh, yeah, which I think gets better, actually, than this yeah, one. Yeah, for sure. I, don't... I think
0: that one's better, too.
1: But, uh, but yeah, the December one, he gets his revenge on Akiyama, but then he he leaves after January 01. He misses the entire year in 2001. He comes back in February 02 for a very famous match, which is him and Masawa against Akiyama and Nagata, which is an incredible match, by the way, if you've never seen that one. I might have to pick that for one of these. It's so fucking good. But, yeah, and then he comes back for that one match, then he misses another five months, and he finally comes back full time in July 02. So essentially, other than one match, he's out for a year and a half after January 01. So it's, you know, it is like, this is like, basically, that that was definitely a, a like, I, I get why people who are huge Kobashi fans may be like, ah, oh, early Noah is not as good. I still think early Noah is awesome, but, you know, you definitely see things pick up when he comes back. Um, But yeah, his whole thing here is that that knee is very wrapped up and he's very, I guess like ready for Akiyama's attacks. Um the other big theme, uh, you know, I think one of the big goals here in this match and one of the big goals of early Noah in general was to get submissions over because you know, submissions were never really a thing in all Japan, especially in the main event scene. Not so, as a finish, yeah. Yeah, so like they were really trying to get them over as finishes in Noah early on and you know, you could try you could tell that they were they were going for them a lot in this match and like yeah. you know, even really Tribashi that- does
0: like a chimera
1: yeah i was gonna bring up that that's that's one of that spot is so fucking cool because again, when the fuck is have you ever seen kenta kobashi do a kimura um so this is there's like a a point where this match becomes awesome it's just kind of like there for a while and the submissions are like okay but like when kobashi does it he gets this sleeper suplex and this mini comeback where which like the crowd really wakes up for and goes crazy um there's this like really great spot where Kobashi hits this power bomb, goes for the Jackknife hold, but Akiyama rolls through it into a flash pin, and yeah. they do this like so much smoother and faster than two guys of this size that look like they should be able to do that spot. So that spot is incredible. And then yeah, they they, when they what I call like the I guess you could call the stretch run, like at one point Akiyama does this huge German suplex, but Kobashi transitions out of the bridge and gets a Kimura. And it's like, when the fuck have you ever seen Kencha Kobashi get you know do a Kimura? It's awesome. Um, but yeah, not, then we get like the back-to-back exploders, you know, Kobashi keeps trying to fight back. Um, and then you know, the, the third exploder get, you know, we get the kick out of two. And you know, I just noted here that this closing stretch is mad fucking rules, and then June gets the guillotine. And the guillotine is such a cool finisher here. Um, you know, the, they get stopped almost immediately, and the crowd is just like fucking stunned. Now, I hear apparently the old... From what I've read and what I've heard, I guess, like, the old All Japan fans really hated the guillotines a finished for June. They, that's why they dropped it.
0: Mm. But,
1: like, it it was such a cool move. I wish they hadn't, because it was such a cool way to end this match, which, like, yeah, I mean, Kobashi can have all the fighting spirit he wants. He can kick out a, all the fucking Exploders he wants to. But June gets that guillotine, and he really gets it, and you're done. And the, the ref has to stop it. The ref has no choice. I thought that was such a cool, cho- cool way to transition away from like, or not transition away, but like add an extra element to what was already a very established all Japan main event style by that point And like, be like, yeah, you know, the fighting spirit's great, but this man might just get you in the ski team. You might not be able to escape. So I thought right. that was really cool. I wish they had kept it, but you know, they, it wasn't to be.
0: Yeah. And like I said, you know, he, he got, he knocked Misawa out quote unquote in the first two minutes of the previous night's main event with the same move referee stop. Right. Yeah, and so the 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 whole point of these two shows is like they're saying Jun Akiyama is our fucking guy, right? They're building him up, so it's just done flawlessly. Um, And yeah, the the front necklock was was his finisher at the time. I think there might be something to the fact that they were you know responding at some level to the MMA craze that was going on Um, because those are both legitimate submissions uh, in their own right.
1: Yeah, and then later on, it kind of became, and you know, I mean, I remember Baba ho- never wanted to do the MMA stuff. If you read, um, I think I read like an eggshells the, the book Chris Chalk did on the Tokyo Dome. He had some quote in there from Giant Baba where it's like, "We're not going to do like we're going to completely go in a different direction of the New Japan, uh, like MMA crossover. Like we're gonna yeah that like that was probably the rest. best
0: decision
1: ever, right? Yeah. I mean, well, and then Noah held up for a long time in the two thousands. But yeah, I mean, it. I I think you could also argue maybe that that's why they got away from the guillotine, where it's like, you know, New Japan is doing this very, you know, shoot style stuff. You know, it got more and more intense, obviously, in the early to early to mid two thousands. You know, we're going to go in the complete other direction. We're going to be, you know, total Kings Row pro wrestling. Uh, we're not going to do any MMA style stuff at all. And maybe that that could be also a reason why they got away from the guillotine, which, like you said, I think in. It was the right decision for their business at the time i mean like they did they did way better business than tokyo especially than new japan was doing for a little while which is yeah you know, um, i think
0: that submissions are definitely a part of that baba era all japan style but they're just not like we said a finish right they're, they're used yeah. to wear down the guy you know you see kobashi in both of these matches cranking at akiyama's neck uh to set him up for the lariat um You know, obviously, Misawa didn't face lock. Uh, Kawada had the stretch plum. Um, So submissions are a part of the style. But yeah, not in this, not where they could end the match at any second, which was totally a New Japan thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you look at it nowadays, I mean, you have Zack Sabre Jr., obviously, as a main eventer, that can still win with submissions. But there aren't a lot of submission finishes in New Japan nowadays either. And because New Japan... You know, it's a very cliche point, but it's a very true point. They're they're closer to this lineage of the King's Road main event style than than you know they are to like what New Japan was at this time. So
0: yeah, I mean, I think totally off topic to what we're supposed to be talking about, but just because I think he's so good, I think Zack Saber does an amazing job of blending both of those classic styles. Um, so that's why he's kind of an outlier. You know, coming from the Noah dojo, but obviously having A lot of interest in the New Japan style, and now being in New Japan, I mean, we talked about my favorite wrestler of all time being Kobashi Uzaki is certainly my favorite wrestler that's still active today, and I think that's why.
1: Uh, What would you give this match, the Kobashi Uzaki? I, I would say, I was thinking four flat, maybe. I mean, it's not a match I absolutely loved, you know, and but it's a match that I thought was really good.
0: Yeah, I think four flat. I think I'd probably go four and a quarter, just because. You know, it, it it gets there for me, but I think that's the right range for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the, the early to mid part is just a little too boring, and like all the the whole stuff is like, a, I mean, it doesn't really seem like it goes much of anywhere. But Kobashi's selling is still really great, and that stretch run is just so much fun. Mm. And in a way, you can compare it to a lot of again the main event New Japan matches. Now, where like the early portion doesn't really do a ton, but the once it really kicks in the high gear, it really kicks in the high gear. Well, so. I- I think
0: in the context of the other match, it does something, right? Because he goes for that low dropkick and, and Kobashi's ready for it. He moves. That gets a huge reaction, right? But that yeah. was the turning point in the first match where Akiyama just like did not give up after hitting that dropkick. Whereas in this one, Kobashi takes control after dodging that dropkick, um, which was missing completely from the previous match. So I think big picture, there's some, you know, meaning there. But yeah, in the context of a standalone match it doesn't have the same umph as the previous one.
1: All right, folks, those are the two Kobashi-Akiyama matches. Uh, before we get into the next three matches we're going to talk about, we have one more sponsor of this week's episode, um, and that is ZipRecruiter. So hiring is challenging, There's especially I imagine right now, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates That is ZipRecruiter.com slash V-O-W. Um, You know, it used to be hard. Hiring, I think, used to be hard, even harder than it was before now. You know, multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, confusing review process. But today, even during this crisis, hiring can be easy, and you only have one place to go to get it all done, ZipRecruiter.com slash V-O-W. So ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job sites You know, you don't have to send it to them all individually. ZipRecruiter takes care of that for you. And with their powerful matching technology, they scan thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. You can even add screening questions to your job listing. You can filter candidates and focus on the best ones. Um, ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. So right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, uh, my listeners out there can go to ZipRecruiter.com/vow. The ZipRecruiter.com/vow. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Let's go ahead to your second pick, which was Jinsei Shinzaki versus Mr. Ganoske from April twenty-first, April twenty-first, nineteen ninety-eight, from FMW at Corken Hall, uh, the semi-main event of that show. Before you even introduce it, I will just tell you, I've never seen this before. FMW, a huge blind spot for me. It's just something I've never really gone back and watched at all. Like by the time I was but when I was first getting into Puro, you know, like I said, it was like, you know, uh, later one, early two, FMW was not really even nostalgia yet. Like I think it had just ended. And it was kind of like bad when it ended. Like it was yeah. like people would people would really not into it at all. So there was nobody, I guess, pushing me to be like, Oh, you got to go check out old FMW. So, never, it just never really happened for me. And then, you know, as years have gone on, I've just been so busy with new wrestling. I don't have, I don't really have time to dive into a giant, even like a 10 year run of a promotion or whatever it was. So, but yeah, go ahead and throw them throw it to me. What do we got by FMW here?
0: Yeah. So, just personally, uh when I was getting into Japanese wrestling the two main companies that I was you know trying to follow through the internet were All Japan and FMW actually uh, anybody who knows anything about my current wrestling tastes knows that I don't watch you know I'm I'm just going to say it because I almost said it I don't watch garbage wrestling right I don't watch deathmatch wrestling uh but I used to right I used to watch uh, FMW and uh, and big Japan around this time, you know, er- early 2000s and and late uh, 90s. And this was a, again a little bit before I got into it. I think when I got into FMW, they were already fully in the the entertainment mode, you know, leading to the the H versus M- Mr. Ganosuke, uh match that was refereed by Sean Michaels. I remember reading a lot of the buildup to that match. Um, which go back and read it. it's It's pretty interesting if you haven't seen it. Um, there's uh a spot at Coriquin that involves some firecrackers uh that's it doesn't hold up very well, but anyway, uh, you know, so I think this match sits in the middle of the two main air, or maybe you could say there's three areas, three eras of fmw you know like the first era of fmw where it was like Onita going against these complete hodgepodge of mma slash deathmatch guys then like the golden era i would say this is like right at the end of the fmw golden era uh leading into the entertainment era and uh yeah this which is match... what which, which i want ahead. to say
1: people in the west i think hated the entertainment era like, yeah. I remember everybody talking shit about it constantly when I was first getting into Furo. It was like FMW at that point was like a thing that used to be good, but man, it fucking sucks now. Like, basically, that's how everyone talked about it.
0: Yeah, I think it's important uh, in the context of today's Japanese scene because one of the main driving forces in the early stages of the the FMW entertainment era, and I'm not exactly the best. I'm definitely not the best person to talk about this. That would definitely be Brett, but uh, ghetto was very closely involved with the booking in the early stages of the entertainment area era of uh, FMW. And obviously some of that uh, has carried over into the current era of New Japan, you know, relative to the the previous New Japan era. So I think there's some right. interesting context there. Um, But yeah, so I think the reason why I picked this match is because it happened in the same year as the other one, and this is my favorite FMW match of that era Um, and two guys that don't really get uh, the love that others, you know, like obviously Masato Tanaka is a much more accomplished, much better worker than either of these guys, but these guys deserve to get talked about too, I think. Especially Jinsei, who, like, basically still looks like he could go out there and have this kind of match, which is incredible. Uh, Ganosuke is retired at this point. But, um, yeah, I think, so what I like about this match, is it, it really reminds me of, like, the, I mean, it's not a death, ma- death match, right? It's a street fight. It reminds me, a lot of this match reminds me of, like, the brawls that you see, even in Dragon Gate and Korakuen, uh currently um it just feels like a korakuin match really because they're they're around the whole the whole venue um and it has a really really cool face heel dynamic almost like to the extreme where ganosuke is the leader of the heel faction that's called team no respect um which is you know very in your face uh, uh you know nod to the fact that they're heels um and uh Jinsei is obviously like a monk more or less so he's purely babyface and Jinsei's is actually an outsider at this point so he was hayabusa's tag team partner but he's still a michinoku guy um and you can hear like compared to the previous match where they were 100 behind kobashi uh you get some ganosuke support even though he's the heel in this match but yeah so right away uh Shinzaki takes a crazy bump and splits open the back of his head. Definitely not intended. Um, but Ganosuke really goes after it. And basically, uh, similar to the previous match, this is like this match is more or less all Ganosuke on offense, which is n- not the same as Akiyama on offense at all. Um, but I think you know it's a really another really cool match with a good face heel dynamic. And
1: uh who is guys- helping Ganosuke with the power bomb? Kanemura so it was, a, it was a woman okay Kin- right no not a woman oh uh, oh <laughs> kintaro- i know i know what you're talking about oh my god yeah, okay.
0: kintaro kanemura who was <laughs> i also- thought it was
1: uh go ahead i thought it was like what the fuck's your name kandori maybe yeah. <laughs> i don't know yeah yeah uh, shinobu kandori I yeah
0: know. so no that's kanemura he's the dirtbag dirt bag of dirtbag wrestlers. Uh, yeah, no, I know I know who he is.
1: I, I I guess I didn't recognize him. Because he he was the guy who dances to that fucking offspring song.
0: So the, yeah, that was their team no
1: respect thing. They yeah. all did it in like tidy whities Yeah.
0: Uh, I think they were called the Brief Brothers, him and Ganoske. Oh my god, um, do you know
1: Shinobu Kandori's now a politician?
0: I did not know that, no.
1: <laughs> she is a she is now a uh LDP House of Counselor member in the Diet. Wow. You know, national legislator. I had no idea, but there you go. But all because I mistook her. But yeah, takes if you don't if you don't know who Shinobu Kandori is, I mean she was a big lady. I mean she was like five seven, mm. and you know, build at one sixty five. I think she's probably a little heavier than that. Since so, she was also an FMW, so like yeah, I, I don't I It's not in, completely insane. I thought that was her, but it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely not. But yeah, I just wanted uh. to say that not
0: insane at all but so kanemura was like (laughs) kind of one rung under ganosuke on the heel totem pole in in fmw at the time and kind of more of jinsei's foil at that point i would say or you know equally so that's yeah that's who that was so that heel stable you know it changed a little bit over the years but Jado and ghetto were also in there um hido who was like the third of their little sub-stable uh, and Hayabusa Jinsei, Masato Tanaka, Kuroda were the were the baby faces. I think this was actually still when Zen was around, which was the kind of the tertiary. Really? Yeah, uh, tertiary. Um, FNW so what you, all you all you, all you
1: have to do is explain that Onita wanted to about the NWO. That's pretty much all.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um but, but yeah uh, I think I think FMW is definitely worth going back, but I'll step aside now and let you give your
1: takes on But it. yeah, you're right, because Zen was cause you can see the Zen banner. I remember seeing that and being like, wow, Zen was still around at this point. Mm. <laughs> but I guess they were. Um I, I think if anything you undersold that first spot where he his head break his he gets that big cut. That yeah. fucking power bomb was one of the craziest bumps I've ever seen. I mean they mm. pick this guy up on the apron and they just fucking toss him and he lands like on the back of his fucking neck. i a just like table, through, through a, a table, table. <laughs> through a Japanese table. Just not one of these tables that just pre breaks. So like, yeah. yeah, I mean, that was fucking disgusting. I mean, really one of the grossest bumps I've seen in a while. I mean, like th- just the, the sheer, like, uh, the amount of like, I guess, airtime and like how far they throw him. And then the way he lands right in the back of his neck, just an insane bump. Um, you know the Jinsei. They, if anything, I didn't love anything about this match. It was like the, the, the beatdown went maybe a little long for me. It wasn't super interesting. But Jinsei's big comeback was so awesome. Uh He does that like the huge double stomp to the gut from the top rope that looks like it sucked for Ganelske. Um And then Gnansky comes back. He gives him a fucking shoulder block while he's on the apron and sends Jinsei back into that broken table. Yeah. <laughs> like, like he sends him flying all the way off the apron, back into the broken table, into the front row, almost into those, uh, into those like, uh, I guess, is it east side, right? Or west side? Whatever fucking side of the building it is. That that or north or south. I don't know. The the north side north bleachers side. or whatever. Yeah. Like he sends him into the north side bleachers. I'm just like, oh my God. It's like, can we please like I don't know if that they need to do that spot because it's like he already took a ridiculous bump. I don't know if we need a second ridiculous bump. Um uh, to say this crowd liked Jinsei a little more than Ganosuke would be like saying the coronavirus <laughs> is mildly inconvenient. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's they they love Jinsei. They, they really do not like Ginosuke. Uh Jinsei finally went to the crucifix power bomb. Crazy match. Crowd going wild. Jinsei was awesome. Ganosuke was you know he was good at what he did most of the time. I went four and a quarter. I thought this was really 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 awesome. Nice. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this a lot. Just just the crazy ass bumping from Jinsei alone was yeah, like he's so athletic person. too. Like yeah.
0: that he there's one point where he just like dodges something with a cartwheel and you're like, Whoa, how the fuck did that huge guy do that cartwheel so smoothly? <laughs> and he hits those overhead kicks so effortless effortlessly. The other random thing that I think you might enjoy a little bit is that so Jinsei Shinzaki trained Kano. He was the one who recruited mm-hmm. Kano to be a wrestler. And Mr. Ganasuke actually trained Yuko Miyamoto. So oh. those guys had a match in NOAA. I might have been in the Global League, or maybe they had a title match after the Global League. I don't remember. And I think there were some callbacks in that match to this match. Um, so that's uh, another extended viewing if you guys want to watch that too.
1: So there you go. Awesome match here. Definitely another one worth checking out. All right, let's get into my second pack, which was a three way main event from the 2002 Kobe World in Toriuman Japan for the UWA 6 fan titles. Oshima, uh, Don Fuji, and Taru of Crazy Max versus Dragon Kid, Masaki Mochizuki, and Ryu Saito, the Toriuman Japan main army, versus Darkness Dragon, Genghi Haraguchi, and Magnum Tokyo, uh, July seventh, two 2002 for the uwa six Trials, which i've i gone to the long history of those belts before i don't need to do that again on this show but yeah the the, the belts that uh bounce around a lot of promotions um so i picked this for really just because i felt like watching it i don't really no good reason i figured you've probably seen it but also maybe like me probably hadn't seen it in a while i don't know if that's true or not you can
0: yeah i have not seen this since i watched it on the vhs tape that i got probably a couple months after it happened
1: well, there you go. That's perfect. I mean, I've seen it very, way more recent than that, but definitely not in a in a little while. Um, you know, th- there's so much great Toriyama Japan history in this match. I mean, this is such an interesting era where you know you had the Italian connection thing with the Toriyama 2000 project going on at the same time, uh, and then I know at one point they cut to them at ringside, including Milano, and the the non-Milano members had one like a six-man tag to open the show. And they were like, I think, a month or two away from the big Toriumon versus T2P show at Ariake Coliseum. So this is probably the only Kobe world where there was another show to follow that was as big or even bigger, probably. Um But yeah, I mean, like you have three, three like three unit the three units here are all like interesting times where, you know, Masaki Mochizuki, he's really like the... He's only become the Toriyama Japan home army leader. Basically, he and Magnum Tokyo switched places. The so this to- match,
0: right? I think this was the first match after they switched, or the first big it's match, just- at least.
1: Yeah, pretty much. So, Magnum Tokyo had always been the Toriyama Japan face ace from the moment the promotion started. So, from the early 99 through 2001. Uh, Shima, you know, and Don Fujintaro Crazy Max, wore the top heels of Toriyama Japan early on. They got usurped by uh, the. M2K unit, which was at first M2K, Masaki Mochizuki, Susumu Mochizuki, and Yasushi Kanda And they would grow to include more members, Genki, Darkness Dragon, the future Kness, a bunch of other people. Um so at that point, you know, the M2K kind of took over the top heel spot and they feared up with Crazy Max, and you know, they just basically became the new top heels. And Crazy Max kind of became what I think. You know, I don't know if this is the first, it probably wasn't the first time this happened in Japanese wrestling, but I feel like it happens a lot now where you have a unit that's like almost like true neutral, where mm. they'll fight when they fight the home army, the Toriman Japan home army, they're the heels. When they fight the group that's more healed than them, which is, uh, you know, M2K, they're the baby faces. I mean, you see that that was what Chaos was doing for a while in New Japan, then LIJ, I think up till now. Mm-hmm. It's like the true neutral where they'll, when they fight chaos in the in the new Japan home army, they're the heels when they fight bullet club and Suzuki goon, they're the baby faces, but yeah, it's the same kind of thing. And like those units, they're usually, they're usually extremely popular. You know, crazy max was extremely popular at this point, just like, you know, LIJ is nowadays. Um But yeah, so they're not really, you know, they're, they're what they've been basically, you know, they, they, they might like, kick out stalker Ichikawa and like claim they're going to go true heel again, but never really happens. They're just, they stay in this neutral spot forever. But the interesting thing was, you know, Mochizuki loses his hair versus hair match at the end of 2001. He turns baby face after being this violent heel all year long. He tries to turn M2K into a baby face group, which is kind of funny but they all get together like genki gets i remember it was like i think genki horaguchi who's like i just joined this group because i wanted to be a heel i don't want to be a pity face and they all get together and they kick him out um so they have no leader and they they start eyeing maize in tokyo who started to be more of a dick around this time And they they all take like backup dance they take dancing lessons to be his backup dancers and he like this goes on for months where they basically are trying to get him to join and you know they'll Tokyo, Man in Tokyo dance with them, but then he still won't join. And then finally, I think they help him win El Numero Uno that year, and then he dances and, and joins up with them. And meanwhile, Mochizuki now just kind of ends up as like the new de facto leader of the Toriyama Japan Home Army. So the swap is complete. Now, this period, they're still called M2K. This period of M2K is very weird. It's like a transition period. Like, if you talk to old school Toyoman fans you know like people who really have gone through this period if you said m2k they do not think of this this little period it only lasts from about like june until september so it's probably a big reason but the you know it's kind of referred to as my Goo 2k you know like it's just weird little period and then they become do fixer which is a very famous unit that you know would go on to be the heels for a while before they kind of turn face but yeah so you know, this is like the unit that would become Do Fixer within a few months. Um, the yeah, well, I don't Toriuman...
0: associate uh, dancing with
1: M2K, right? I exactly. associate
0: scooters with M2K.
1: M2K are the punks, the scooters. Now, they, they would have those jackets for a while. What happens yeah. is, even after they become Do Fixer, what happens is um, in early 2003, the Toriumon Japan Home Army becomes Shin M2K. And they also get the jackets, and they, have, they end up having a match for the rights to the, the Yokosuka jumpers, is what they're called. So poor Susumu, who, by the way, loses his name, of course, for the first time, becomes Susumu Yokosuka, based on his hometown of Yokosuka. Then he also loses the jackets from his hometown. So poor Susumu in this period just loses everything. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, it's, a, it's an interesting period. Uh, you know, it's a transition period in a lot of ways. Um, it wouldn't always set up great stuff in O3 because you know Shin M2K was a huge failure and people didn't really like it because they were like just they were just the home army uh, acting like M2K, which people like people thought of M2K as heels. You know, it didn't really work, but um, you know, just kind of it was a thing. You know, I mean, it, it was a transition period into stuff that didn't w- always work out great in O3, but uh, you know, o3 really isn't a super memorable year. I feel like, but. You know, the, the stuff that we... Some of the stuff in 0-3 is really good, though. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. So, like, uh, th- this whole period right here is, like I said, more of a little transition period. But it results in like main event that's really famous. I mean, this three-way, this three-way six-man. I don't think it's the first ever three-way six-man. Someone listening to this... I think it's the probably...
0: second. I think commentary mentioned it was the second.
1: Okay. So, they, I think, like, that, that would make sense. There's, like, one more before this. Uh, but it's one of the most famous. I mean, this is a really, really famous match. Yeah. Um, you know the? Did you watch the entire M2K, the M2K entrance? By the way, the I dance did. is so fucking long. I did, <laughs> and like, I oh. I was
0: focusing on Susumu, who still dances with the same level of <laughs> unenthusiasm.
1: And he would be in this fucking unit dancing for like three more years or something, or two Four more guys. years. Yeah, Four like guys. I think I think Final M2K forms like either at Kobe World 2004 or right before. So he's got, like, two more years of this. Because, you know, he'd be induced. Yeah, in this is Duke definitely Duke. where... This is where Genki showed his potential as a dancer as well. Yeah. I, you know who's surprisingly into it? Darkness Dragon. Like, he's just like... He's like, all, like I'm like, okay. What I think the I thing about... Him? I think the thing about Kness is that he's just
0: good at everything.
1: Yeah, pretty much. No matter what he wants to do, he can do it. Uh, the Toriyama Japan Sekigun come out to We Need a Hero in Japanese, which I I always loved. Such a great, such a great theme song. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Look,
0: so real quick, so I watched this match with my like all the matches I actually God bless her with my wife yesterday, and uh, so Mochi is my wife's favorite wrestler, and one of the her favorite things about Mochi is his theme, and the disappointment uh. on her face when she realized that it wasn't. His theme, but then it was I need a hero. She was super happy. So uh <laughs> it was like an instant turn of disappointment. Then, oh, okay, I like this song too.
1: <laughs> My girlfriend was actually, she wasn't watching it, but she was sitting with me, and I was like, Do you recognize this song? She was like, No. And then finally I get to the chorus, she she's like, Oh, We need a hero, but that wasn't the lyrics "We need a hero. I'm like, Yeah, it's in Japanese. They did a, a Japanese version, apparently. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so here's here's I mean, there's a lot of spots in this match. You, it, it's impossible to recap a match like this. Besides, the the big spots, the the commentary at multiple times said, "Man, this match is hard to call." <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, I will say first of all, that if this isn't the first famous Fuji slap spot, it's definitely one of. The, it's either that one or the one before the the mm. man time before this. But man, that spot would go on to be used. And almost every single other match. So, and uh, maybe the
0: big suplex train thing too.
1: Yeah, suplex train thing. Um, so you could basically, if you if you've watched one of these multi man tags long after this, I mean, you know, you can see the genesis of a lot of the stuff they do to this day. Here, um, if you ever wonder what Dragon Kid looks like, here's your chance. Because yeah. when he goes, he gets the Dragon runner on Magnum Tokyo, and Darkness just pulls the fucking thing right off. And there's a great shot of his face. The camera's right on his face before, mm. you know, he's like panicking covers his face and then lets Magnum reverse it for the pin. Uh, since so there's elimination. So that eliminated Torium on Japan. Um, and the, you know, the match went of the two teams. And then we also got the blue box, <laughs> the original blue box, but, uh, Susumu shows up with it, but he, he's not in the match, but he accidentally hits Magnum Tokyo on the face with it. And that leads to Shima pinning Genki, uh, to retain the tails for crazy max. Um, so why don't you go first? What were your thoughts watching this after so many years? Yeah, so, I mean, there's a big blind
0: spot in my Torreymon slash Dragon Gate watching history, but I have seen a lot of it, right? I've seen a lot of the early stuff, basically up until '03. Then I stopped watching wrestling altogether. Uh, and then until, like, 2012, when I restarted watching wrestling again, uh there's a huge, obviously blind spot, but I've seen almost everything since then and almost everything uh up until oh three. Um and I haven't really gone back to watch any of the stuff I missed, which is probably something I should do now that I have all this time on my hands, but this match holds up really well. Um, and I think my main feedback on this match is that you know these wrestlers have held up for the most part. We'll get to the one. That I don't think has held up that well, uh, but I think these wrestlers are basically the same guys that they are today. Um, obviously, with some, you know, moving a little slower, some incorporating more comedy, um, some actually better uh, on their part. Um, <laughs> yeah, one who's retired. Well, reti- and, long since
1: retired actually. Yeah,
0: but you know, it doesn't seem. Although they look very young compared to today, it's it's the same style that you can see in Dragon Gate today. A lot of the same spots, like you said, Um, a great crowd, Uh, really, really entertaining. I liked it a lot. On the flip side, um, I'll say two things. At the time, I didn't realize how over Shima was. He's super, super, super over. Uh, And that stood out to me. That's kind of on the still on the positive side. Uh, on the negative side, man, Magnum Tokyo does not hold up
1: on tape at all. Yeah, he's bad. He's very bad. I mean, he's it's really one of those bad. things. It's one of those things where I I have to constantly remind myself, like, yeah, he was super over. He was very. He had, he had a huge fan base and people loved him, but he was. And I, I as a kid, I liked him. Like when I first started watching, I'm like, oh, he's very charismatic. But yeah, he's not a good wrestler.
0: <laughs> he's he's not super good. sloppy. Yeah. Uh Yeah, he's he's not very good. And so I'm glad I watched it only for that cuz I had this misconception that he, you know, he was just as good as everybody else, but that's not the case for sure. Uh, yeah, but everybody way... else is still really good. Um yeah. So yeah, no, to- I enjoyed this a lot.
1: You totally get why they post him as a main eventer, but he was so much worse than the other main eventers. It was very yeah, even was Taru very like avid. is good in this. Who I don't yeah. think
0: of Taru as like you know, as good as the rest of them, but Taro's was really good in this match too.
1: So my, the one thing I was going to say, and maybe this is just, you know, I got burnt out on the, the dragon gate. So maybe, Oh God, maybe three or four years ago. And pretty much whenever I stopped hosting open the voice gate is right. when I got pretty burned out on dragon gate after watching it for like 15 years. And it's like going back and watching this, especially, um, you know, like watching that first Torium on Japan show was really interesting from like a, um, you know, like while wow, seeing these people as babies and like really, you know, fun to watch the genesis of the style. At this point in 2002, I mean, you could take this exact match and plop it down in, at least when I stopped really watching every single show and it would not feel out of place at all. That's mm. both a positive to this match and I think a detriment to how the style has evolved over the last 18 years which is to say it really hasn't evolved much at all and I feel like maybe that's why watching this match with 2020 eyes is just like you know this stuff is really interesting to see how it all started but like I said before some of these spots are still in like every single multi-way multi multi multi-man match so it's just like you know the 15th time you've seen the suplex train or the Don Fuji slap spot it's not going to hit with you the same way it did the first or second time so you know that's just a you know no. i definitely thought of when i was watching it not to say this wasn't really good at what they were trying to do or wasn't hugely influential or it wasn't any of that stuff but it doesn't feel it, you don't get that feeling like with almost everything else we're watching uh today of like timelessness i guess whereas like this this match to me feels very 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 similar to so many other Dragon Gate like multi man, multi way matches, which were my like my mm. favorite types of matches when I first started watching, that like you know it doesn't stand out as much I guess compared to some of the other stuff we watched. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I and mean, putting it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I would say that
0: I actually would call it timeless in the sense that it it could happen today and you know not really um, you know stand out as as being. You know from a different time but what i would say is that it's not super unique anymore that's
1: a good that's a good point unique is a better word at the time it was probably super unique it it was
0: i can remember um but with today's eyes it's definitely not super unique
1: yeah but it makes i will
0: also say in the defense of the current dragon gate roster there's been some turnover since you stopped watching and the main event scene doesn't feel like they could have this same match because there's so many different people today, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I,
1: I, and I really should watch more of the current stuff, but uh, you know, it's something I'm going to get around to, I think. But like,
0: if you haven't dug into Shin Skywalker at all, you're making a mistake, I think.
1: Okay, I saw. I went to the show last year and I liked it, but you know, I, I liked how they had um it was like the king of gate show i think the king of gate cork and i don't know if you were there too or not but like
0: i was at one of them yeah
1: i liked how they had um like more outside indie people there too and like it felt more like they were trying to get outside of their box a little bit like like kai Sakamoto, i never would have guessed that guy mm-hmm. would fit him well in dragon gate and he he was pretty great and you know kai is another one that has you know he, i know the dragon gate fans didn't like him at first but i think he Yep, for you know, sure. has has worked out really well there. So I, I, I would like to see them do more of that and you know, mix up with outside people more and bring in more outside people. I mean they did that a lot during parts of their run. I mean, mm-hmm. people forget that people forget Talk that Koda uh,
0: Bucci, Bucci.
1: was there a lot too, Liger. But like I you know, I want them to go back to I would like to see them do that like some more. I feel like they didn't do a ton of that this decade, especially, or this past decade. So I would like to yeah. see them get more. For sure. Yeah, more outs, more outside people involved. Um, but yeah, so I, the other thing I was going to say is, and maybe I'll put these on, um, you know, subsequent weeks. I, I I already made my picks for next week, and I didn't remember to pick them. But like, I'd like to see how other big matches from around this time hold up, and like if they also seem, uh, you know, like if they seem more unique. Like I would maybe the four way, multi man tag with Edacon added to this mix, uh, the following year at Cork or just the the Ecom versus Crazy Max, a straight up six man tag from the Toriyama Japan versus TTP show, a couple months later. So either I'll check that out on my own, or maybe I'll pick it in a different. I week. watched
0: some Milano stuff recently, and he really holds up. He's yeah,
1: like no other. <laughs> I mean, he was my he was my one of my earliest favorites. So like yeah, well he's and I just amazing. I just watched the first I just watched like the first two TTP shows the other day. And he was fucking, yeah, he was still incredible. I mean, the it, it way was really he funny. moves, it like, there's no one that moves like him still. Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing I will say is really funny watching him try to sell, especially early on, where his idea, because he, if you remember like early T2P, I mean, mm. he was like such like unbeatable ace person that yeah. like he just, they probably just didn't have him doing it at all. So the few times he would have to sell something, like his idea of selling was like basically, I'm going to look bored. Like that was it. Yeah. Like, I look bored now, and it works for him because yeah, he's so lanky that like
0: when his body isn't upright, it looks wrong because of the, like the the length <laughs> of his arms and legs. It looks like he's like he's just holding his chin or whatever, but it looks like he's selling because his his arms are so long and awkward.
1: Yeah, so there you go. That's our Tori Montauk. and let's go into. The final match, the fan vote match, which was... uh, So the fan vote was I put up Sting and Lex Luger against the Steiner Brothers from WCW in May 1991. And you put up Brian Danielson versus Loki from the ECW Super 8 in February 2001. Um, Sting and Luger and the Steiner's very narrow victory, but it did pull out the win, 54% to 46% on the Twitter poll. And again, if you want to vote in these, uh, they're going up every Monday or Tuesday, but usually Monday um the at Russell omakaze twitter account so you know we'll have another one on monday as long as we keep doing these five match uh these five matches episodes but yeah i don't know if you were surprised i i was surprised honestly i put this up like oh, i wouldn't mind seeing this match again but i figured it was gonna lose to you know low-key and brian danielson but it, it you know pulled it out so
0: i was surprised i, I i'm uh, definitely not gonna lie about that i was surprised <laughs> Um, But but I had never seen this match So I'm kind of happy that it
1: lost Oh that's pretty cool I didn't know that I didn't expect that honestly Uh, So this is from the very first Super Brawl St. Petersburg, Florida The Bayfront Center I'm sure nowadays it probably has some Corporate name like the Preparation Aid Center or some bullshit But at this time it was the Bayfront Center And the main event of the show Was Flair versus Fujinami The return match from the Tokyo Dome uh, if I remember correctly, the Gear Dome one was better. Uh, trademark, Dave Meltzer. But uh, I don't remember thinking the Super Bowl one was that good. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I haven't seen I haven't seen either one of them in a long time. That's, I could be wrong. Um, but, yeah, this this tag match is kind of famous. That's why I'm a little surprised you haven't seen it. But uh, it's basically these four guys. I, I, I don't know why they decided to do this, per se, because, like, WCW at the time... Was like one month away from completely imploding. I mean, you know, they, they fire Ric Flair when he's still champion. You know, they had put on Great American Bass, one of the worst shows of all time. You know, I don't even think I don't. I, I that's like one of those opinions where I don't think I've ever met like you will find people who argue all sorts of wacky shit on the internet, you know, if you on wrestling, wrestling Twitter, or wrestling internet. Sure, yeah. I don't, I don't think I've ever met a single person who's like you know the great America bash one wasn't so bad i've never met that i don't think i've ever met that person so you know if you're out there uh, please let me know i would love to see someone try to tell me that like they were really into black bart versus uh oh god what the hell is the name of the the billy jack haynes executioner gimmick uh black blood blue i don't know it was really terrible really terrible show but yeah, a month away from that, a month away from the promotion completely imploding, they all decided to go out here and just tear the fucking house down. Why? I have no idea. But they were like, you know, Rick and Scott Sanders at this point were like, um, you know, they were also IWGP Tag Team Champions, and they were doing these crazy matches in Japan where they would just go out there and just do all these fucking moves. And they were like, "What if we do that in America?" <laughs> yeah. I got This was this match be, as a subtitle was all these fucking moves. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, you know, I I guess I'll give it away that as far as my rating goes, this is one of my favorite, you know, American pro wrestling matches, you know, not just of the era, but really ever, because, like, it's just these four guys going out there and just fucking killing each other. And, like, when you really watch it and you're, like, you know, to do, like, this crazy heavyweight tag sprint in 1991, like, no one was doing this. I mean, like, like no one was doing this. I mean, WCW slash NWA obviously had a lot of amazing tag matches up till now, but it was like like
0: this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It was like the Southern formula tag, which, you know, we, I talked about one of those when I was on with Joe Lanza a couple of weeks ago, which, you know, that was really good, but like, it's never been my personal favorite style of match. Whereas this, I mean, like, you know, this is exactly like the time of match. I mean, if all of American pro wrestling was this, um, you know, I would like American pro wrestling a lot more. I guess is the best thing I can say. Cause this was, you know, this would have been, this would not have been on a place on a New Japan show at the time. I mean, this was—I don't know why they decided to do this, but it was great that they did. Um, I don't know what. What did you think of it?
0: Yeah, I mean the—I didn't know what to expect at all going into this. Obviously, I know the Steiner brothers could work. Um, I was as a kid, I was a big fan of Sting. Um, I didn't start watching WCW until maybe '93, which was obviously I wasn't watching for the work rate at that point. Um, but yeah, so I had no expectations. Sting hits this beautiful plancha, uh, right at the beginning of the match. I'm like, whoa, this is going to be something that I haven't seen before for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, these guys, this is a fucking sprint. If you want to know what a tag sprint looks like, it's this match. Um, the selling like Rick Steiner does some crazy bumps. Um,
1: people are flying off the top rope out of nowhere like uh... fucking lex luger takes it this crazy release german suplex from rick steiner Mm -hmm. like he just rick just fucking launches him and i'm like this is a great message for people who say lex luger always sucked or something it's like the the smart community hated him and i think it's because if you look at if you look at where most people in that community started watching wrestling yeah lex luger you know, 1997 on in WCW was pretty terrible, but 1991 Lex Luger could go. I mean, look at the fucking match. If you don't believe me, yeah. So, I mean, like obviously there's even other examples like the flyer matches and all that shit. But yeah, Lex Luger was great and up until, um. I mean, he even gets a pretty damn good match out of Yokozuna, and then a couple of years later in WWF. So, I don't know. Lex Luger was always he was always one of these guys where I went back and watched stuff, and I was like wow, people like really were unfair to him. Like when he was actually in his prime and at his peak, he was pretty good.
0: Yeah, this this match was awesome. Um, I was very, very surprised in the style they worked and I liked it a lot. Um, Yeah, and I think obviously you could tell that it was kind of more of a Steiner brothers match, but Luger and Sting definitely could go. So that was a pleasant surprise. The finish was a little, it took a little bit away from the match to me. Um, That's that's the
1: only reason why I don't go five. Yeah. But (laughs) I would probably go like four and a half. Um, Yeah. And I went four, I go four and three quarters. I just can't go five because of fucking Nikita. But, and I would
0: say this is probably off the top of my head the best Luger and the best Sting match I've ever seen.
1: The there's like a spot to to again to, to give like the they were taking this match. They do a belly to belly off the top rope by Scott Steiner. Uh there's a fucking crazy spot where like looks Luke has his back turn, doesn't realize that Scott made a blind tag to Rick. Rick yeah. goes to the top rope and does this jumping bulldog and like Luger lands right in his fucking head. And I'm like, what the fuck is with this match? Like why do they decide to go out here and do this shit? They do a tombstone pile driver reversal <laughs> spot. With Sting and Steiner again, it is May of 1991, and this is WCW. I yeah. promise you, watch some more of these fucking shows. No one else was doing this shit. Like this was incredible, and the crowd. And for people who are like, "Oh, work rate doesn't get over," and uh, people who just don't care about wrestling, the crowd is going fucking ballistic. Yeah, for this entire and, match. And I think part of that is that the
0: crazy thing about the crowd that stuck out to me was how many children were there. Like, young yeah. kids under the age of 12, yelling at the top of their lungs, going crazy for this shit.
1: Just give us fucking, like, cool-ass wrestling like this is always going to get over. Like, I don't, people make this so fucking, especially in America, they make this shit so fucking complicated. And it's like, just have a bunch of, I, I mean, the fucking, uh... Mongo eBooks, who you know has been in the new uh, what, what was on Twitter, a nationally published troll. He, he's once said wrestling is about doing cool moves and looking like a badass. And everybody in this match did cool moves and they looked like badasses. I mean, this was fucking crazy. And like like you just said about the selling, like this the selling was really good, especially for like this style of match. Like they they, they made the moves look like death. But yeah, I mean, this is 11 minutes of just like almost perfect action. I'm so glad you hadn't seen it before. That's I, I thought, I figured you probably had if anything. So, um, yeah, I, yeah mean, the, I, I'm not, like
0: I said, to, when we kick this off, I don't really go back to watch old wrestling and I definitely go, don't go back to watch old American wrestling. So, yeah. uh, this is definitely a blind spot for me if i didn't see it at the time or then like go back to get a vhs of it when i was in high school or whatever i probably wouldn't have seen it but i mean th- this if there's more like this please tell me and i'll definitely go
1: back and watch there it. there isn't a lot unfortunately I mean, if you want to see more like this you really need to go and watch the Snyders in new japan around yeah. this time which i'm sure you probably have I actually seen a bunch of that but uh we're gonna have one of those next week because there, there was a this made me think of a the signers against Vader and Bam Bam, which I think was really, really good. So I have that on my watch list for next week for the episode. But yeah, um, as far as like, you know, like American wrestling, like, okay, so how bad WCW fucked this up? You watch this match, you're like, these four are super over. They're awesome. They did this awesome fucking match. Just fucking go with this and you're set. A month later, Luger would be heel WCW champion for some reason, even though he was beloved here. They, they turned him in a rushed heel turn because, you know, why not, I guess? Because we need a new flair. And he'd be gone by February 92. The Steiners would follow him out the door in October 92. So basically, out of the four guys here, three of them will be gone within, like, a year and four months. So, or a year crazy. and five months. Yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, you look at this match, you're like, how the fuck did WWE like, not set themselves up for the 90s to, to be like, have a great decade? And it's like, well, they fucked it up because they're WCW, and that's kind of what they did. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just it's one of those matches that I think, to me especially, really makes me think of like what could have been. Like the stars were so good at this point, you know. Uh, Luger was still good. Sting was good. And you know, especially like in, in this in this style of match, it's like this like should have revolutionized American wrestling. They should have just run with this with this type of stuff. And they had other talent too at the time. But I don't know. You know, the revolving door of uh, WCW owners or whatever. It just didn't. Or WCW, uh, you know, management, I should say. Mm. It just didn't. It wasn't going to be. But anyway, watch this match if you've never seen it. because it's really yeah. good. Full, I fully uh,
0: agree with that for sure.
1: So, JoJo, I guess we can wrap things up here. Why don't you go ahead and plug your Twitter if you want to?
0: Yeah, my Twitter is JoJo Underscores Runs. <laughs> um you can follow me there for for intermittent wrestling takes but more so uh, other stuff um but yeah that's all i really have to plug i guess that and everybody go wash your hands
1: everybody wash your hands you we'll want to get out of this eventually uh you can follow us on twitter of course at wrestleovacase wrestling would not fit uh but yeah that's pretty much it then um next week It'll be me and Oak who's been on here before, uh, at Oak on Twitter, of course. We've already picked our matches and we got a, a fun bunch together. So that'll be next week's Five Matches episode. We have a ton of these episodes lined up. I honestly can't believe how many people want to do this stupid concept I came up with in two minutes. So it's been way easier to find people to do this than it it's ever a was. Time perfect yeah time. that's true too everybody's home and got nothing else to do but yeah i mean it's been way easier to find guests to do these historic episodes than it was to find guests to talk about current wrestling but yeah uh, so oob next week uh we have uh, joe abraham from super j cast in two weeks uh murder brian from the street fight in three weeks a bunch of different people a whole bunch of people coming up so definitely tune in for that uh in the meantime thank you as always for listening